Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Blanchard Valley Health System is getting more serious about masking up again to prevent COVID spread, but is tracking the number of cases still the best way to track the impact of the virus? We speak with Chief Medical Officer Dr. Renee Smith. Also this morning, it's the definitive annual event for all things technology. The Consumer Electronics Show is now underway, and we have an exclusive first look at the latest trends from CES 2022 in Las Vegas. And just because it's cold doesn't mean you have to stay cooped up indoors. Put on your mittens and join the Hancock Park District for programs and activities during the month of January. Michelle Rimschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Today is National Bird Day, so maybe I'll maybe I'll do that today since I'm hunkered down at home, locked down, quarantined <laughs> for for another few days. I'll just spend the day bird watching today. Although with the weather uh, be watching them fall off the trees frozen. Uh, it's man, crazy weather. Uh, but at least we're not getting the snow. So there is that anyway, national bird day today, national whipped cream day. So make, make of that what you will national keto day and national screenwriters day. So reasons to celebrate today. So, uh, I wanted to make it February 5th. I've got this on my brain, the uh, big sports story uh, this morning. A- actually, yesterday afternoon, uh, I uh, saw the, uh, the news that the Washington football team is set to announce its new name for its franchise. I uh, remember the past couple of years, of course, they've not been the Redskins. They're not the Redskins anymore. They dropped that moniker. A couple of years back, and since then, they have been known simply as the Washington football team. They The team announced yesterday that they would unveil their new name on February 2nd. So that's why I was thinking February, because February 2nd uh, is the uh, big name reveal. And a lot of people have been trying to figure out, does February 2nd have something to do with it are they going to be the washington groundhogs <laughs> uh or the red hogs that was uh, one of the team names that reportedly was under consideration as an homage to the uh fan fervent fan section in washington known as the hogs and um and so that may be it i'm not sure but some very astute uh internet folks noticed that the Internet domain name WashingtonAdmirals.com would take you to the website of the Washington football team. So they're speculating that the new name may be the Admirals. It may have nothing to do with hogs or groundhogs or the date of February 2nd may be totally coincidental. I guess we will find out about a month from now. But I, I learned about this, and the reason I bring it up, is because I found out about the new name being announced uh, online. I was scrolling through Facebook yesterday, again, aimlessly just, you know, killing time because that's what you do when you're in quarantine. And so I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw the uh, the news blurb pop up on my news feed uh, about the uh, announcement of the new team name. And uh, one of the commenters 
said that they should keep the Washington football team, but they should rearrange it. They should (laughs) henceforth be known as the Washington team of football, the Washington team of football, because then you could sell swag with the initials on it. WTF. (laughs) That was the best. That was the best idea of all. I would buy that merchandise. (laughs) I'm not even a fan and I would buy that. And it would uh, certainly be apropos with the uh, fortunes of the Washington team of football of late (laughs) for the fans to be filling the stadium with uh, shirts and jerseys that say WTF across the (laughs) I like it. Anyway, we'll uh, see. That's the uh, big sports story. This morning, what else is going on among the first things you need to know this morning? This is kind of interesting. Uh, Whatever you think about the former first family, Melania Trump has been keeping a fairly low profile since leaving the White House. But she announced yesterday that she is auctioning off the custom white hat that she wore during the first state dinner of her husband's presidential administration. Uh, The former first lady will also be auctioning off a related painting and NFT, non-fungible token, one of those digital memorabilia auctions. Uh, You recall that the uh, Trumps hosted French President Emmanuel Macron in April of 2018, and the items dubbed the Head of State Collection are the hat that the first lady wore, signed by Melania, a watercolor painting by Marc-Antoine Coulomb of Melania wearing the hat that day, and an NFT of the watercolor painting with some animation added in. So this uh, collection is being auctioned off. The opening bid is a quarter million dollars, and they will only be accepted via cryptocurrency. So you have to pay in crypto. A quarter million dollars. Now, the office of the former first lady said some of the proceeds will go toward an initiative to provide foster care children with access to computer science and technology education, which is a worthwhile charity. But they, a lot of folks jumped on the wording of that, that some of the proceeds would go uh, toward that initiative. It is not clear how much of the proceeds would go to that. But bidding is set to open January 11th, and it will run through the 25th. So if you have a cool quarter mill sitting around burning a hole in your pocket, maybe you got some, maybe you got some bonus money for Christmas. <laughs> looking, to, looking to spend it. You can uh, make a bid. Kind of interesting. This, I thought, was really... Fascinating. We talk about the uh, pandemic, and uh, obviously over the past year, year and a half, we spent a lot of time just sitting around at home with nothing to do, right? So a lot of people took up new hobbies uh, over the past year and a half or two years, especially before the vaccines were widely available and we uh, were much more likely to be sitting at home with events canceled and all of that. So we were taking up new hobbies. Uh, many people or baking bread was one of the big hobbies that a lot of people took up during the pandemic. 
Uh, we got into the kitchen again. A lot of people adopted pets. But some of these hobbies have led to painful injuries. <laughs> the Guardian did an analysis of hospital admissions in the UK. So this is a British newspaper, The Guardian. Uh, between 2020 and 2021, they found 8,300 people were admitted after injuring themselves with hand tools. <laughs> we started DIYing during the pandemic, and apparently a lot of us injured ourselves uh, in doing so. Over 7,000 people were bitten by dogs, um, and 2,200 people incurred burns from hot drinks, food, fats, and cooking oil. So we burned ourselves in the kitchen. Uh, now they say this should not discourage you from picking up a new hobby, but they, the experts point out you should make sure you know what you're getting yourself into before starting. That's, that's the moral of that story. <laughs> oh, again, those are British statistics. I'm sure that as Americans, we're much more careful and we're much uh, better that I don't have the U.S. statistics. But I, let's be honest, I would imagine that they're fairly comparable. <laughs> don't, don't you think? A couple of other uh, interesting items to uh, start things off this morning. Uh, big news yesterday, the uh, quits rate uh, jumped up again. Interestingly, as the holidays approached, which usually people take on extra work, during the holiday season to uh, get extra money to buy gifts and afford all of the travel and, and everything. And we were doing more of that this Christmas season than we did the year before. But uh, instead of looking for additional work, Americans were quitting their jobs in record numbers. Well, I don't know about record numbers, but the quits rate um, is at the highest number uh, in a couple of decades, according to stats from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, some 4.5 million Americans quit their job in November. That is the highest number of its kind since December of 2000. So 20 years plus. The largest increases in employees quitting were in the hospitality and food service sectors, followed by health care and social assistance. Again, not a big surprise given what we have heard about those industries over the past year or two. Uh, transportation, warehousing, and utilities were also hard hit by the number of people quitting. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the numbers reflect the high demand for workers who in turn weren't as willing to put up with the jobs that they had. Because jobs are plentiful out there. And if you're not going to treat me right, I'll just quit and get another job. There are plenty of jobs out there. And that's kind of the mentality of, uh, of people. And, of course, the pandemic-induced wanderlust uh, was another factor. Uh, now, there is a, a key caveat. Um, oh, and they also mentioned that there uh, were a lot of folks who were forced out of their jobs for not submitting to the controversial vaccine mandate. So there was that as well. But one key caveat, the record number of quits was back in November when the government assistance tap was still flowing and when few were aware of the Omicron variant, which was coming. Uh, additionally, the child tax credit expanded by the Biden administration 
last year made families making less than $150,000 a year and single parents making less than $112,000 a year eligible for extra payments per child. It was supposed to be for caring for children, but people were using that to supplement their uh, incomes, and some critics have declared that uh, payouts like that discouraged people from working, and so that may have played a role as well. I guess we will find out over the course of time as we watch those numbers from December and into the new year, how they fluctuate, uh, what exactly was going on. But it it was really kind of interesting, the uh, number of quits. And uh, more on that uh, throughout the day. You'll hear a lot about the uh, quits rate, people analyzing that uh, through the uh, course of the day today for sure. And I want to mention this real quickly. Um, With the passing of Betty White, there is a new way that fans can honor the Golden Girl on what would have been her 100th birthday on January 17th. Uh, This is an online effort now that has been started to encourage people to pick a local animal shelter and donate $5. Just donate 5 bucks on January 17th. You recall that Betty White was a uh, an animal lover known for her charitable work, and she even wrote a couple of books about animals and her devotion to them. Uh, the Betty White Challenge, making its rounds on social media, inviting fans to make her 100th birthday the movement that she deserves and that she really would appreciate. So I really like that idea, so... Uh, Just something that you uh, might want to keep in mind. I want to make sure that I mention that here this morning. So there you go. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your midweek Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly cloudy and windy today with a high of 36. Cloudy and cold tonight. Windy as well, low of 14. The Arlington United Methodist Church says their baby Jesus was stolen from their nativity outside their church on Main Street in Arlington. Uh, Asking for his uh, return, and so we have a lot of people looking for him. Pastor Mark Gregory says their new manger scene was kind of expensive and purchased with memorial gifts in honor of departed members of the community. And the pastor is asking whoever took baby Jesus to return him as soon as possible because he says the wise men are on their way and it was kind of a long trip. You know, we're not looking to prosecute anybody or anything like that. Or, you know, if somebody has and wants to return it, they can just return it to the church. And, and we'll uh, gladly receive it and go on the way. And You can see video of the nativity and get more of our conversation with the pastor on our website. State health officials are reporting more than 20,000 new COVID cases in Ohio. That brings the total number of coronavirus cases since the pandemic began to 2,093,074 an additional 227 virus-related fatalities as the death toll in the Buckeye State approaching 30,000. The 21-day case average stands at more than 14,000. In Hancock County, more than 200 people have died from COVID-19. You can get more coronavirus information and resources on our website. U.S. Senator Rob Portman of Ohio has tested positive for COVID-19. Portman released a statement saying, quote, In preparation for returning to Washington, I took an at-home COVID test and it was positive. I'm asymptomatic and feel fine. I've been in contact with the attending physician and my personal doctor and am following their medical advice and following CDC guidelines and isolating for the recommended five days. Portman is 66 and in his last year in office after choosing not to run for re-election. Dave James, I went in news. The Ohio State Highway Patrol wants you and your vehicle to be ready for snowy and icy conditions this winter. 
The Highway Patrol is reminding drivers to always keep a winter car kit inside their vehicle. And on our website, you can find a list of the recommended items to be included in your winter car kit, as well as other winter driving advice from the Highway Patrol. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, as you have no doubt heard by now, Blanchard Valley Health System getting more serious about masking up again to prevent COVID spread at their facilities. But is tracking the number of cases still the best way to track the impact of the virus? We are joined by BBHS Chief Medical Officer Dr. Renee Smith once again this morning. Dr. Smith, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned, people by now have uh, heard uh, the decision uh, by Blanchard Valley Health System to uh, prohibit cloth masks for those who are visiting uh, the, the the hospital. Talk a little bit about the uh, decision to require only uh, surgical masks or the uh, uh, or the uh, uh, N95 masks while folks are uh, at the hospital. Sure, and, and thanks for having me today so we can talk about some, some of the issues around COVID. Um, so so the, the decision-making around the surgical masks is really just one for convenience for our um, visitors and our associates and ensuring the safety of our environment. Uh, CDC has continued to study the use of masks out in the community as it relates to the transmission of COVID and other respiratory illnesses. And recently came out with some new um, evidence that, you know, the cloth masks are better than nothing. Um, so that's always still a, a good uh, mitigation strategy. But certain cloth masks are better than others. Surgical masks are a little bit better than cloth masks. And N95s are the best masks. So, so in order to sort of lessen the confusion about what type of cloth mask would be most protective, we've elected just to supply our visitors um, with surgical masks. Now, to worry uh, it, about that is is that uh, an admission, if you will? Some have uh, have taken that to be uh, akin to an admission that the cloth masks just don't work and and haven't been really protecting us all along. No, that's not true at all. Um, what it is is it's just further studying um, the impact of the cloth mask. So again, any barrier that you're going to put over your nose and mouth is going to help protect you uh, from releasing droplets and from inhaling droplets. And again, that was very much indicated with the CDC study. So some sort of cloth mask covering over your mouth is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. But again, it's about a gradation of safety. Now, by extension, does this mean that you are also recommending that folks uh, stick to the surgical masks or the N95s when they are out in public just in general? Yeah, certainly if if our community uh, members have access to surgical masks, again, that would be uh, the best situation for them out in the community. But again, I just want to emphasize any masking uh, is important mitigation strategy for our community at this point. Um, let, let me clarify this uh, point uh, just a bit as well. Is there a difference between the surgical masks, what you call a surgical mask, and like the disposable masks that uh, that we can pick up at the uh, at stores, um, are those one and the same, pretty much, or is there 
something extra about a surgical mask that is above and beyond what consumers would just buy off the shelf. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it, it's probably different, although I haven't, you know, um, gone through to see the, uh, you know, exactly what's okay. all on the shelf. Um, surgical masks, um, you know, the integrity of the product um, uh, is intended, obviously, to protect uh, our surgeons and others in healthcare, right? So mm-hmm. the material is, is, is probably uh, a little bit different um, than, say, what you can buy over the shelves. Uh, but again, I just want to emphasize to the community, anything is better than nothing. And so please, uh, let's get back to masking as Omicron is, is certainly showed us um, uh, the, the high transmissibility of COVID right now. And obviously, it is that surge in uh, cases that has led to all of this. But I want to ask again, as we were talking about in the uh, in the lead in, there have been some who have suggested I, there was a, a piece uh, about a month ago in the uh, New York Times, which obviously that's a publication that cannot be accused of downplaying the uh, impact of the pandemic, certainly. And this was from uh, a couple of research physicians uh, with, uh, uh, you know, well-established credentials uh, that made the case that tracking the number of or, or paying as much attention to the uh, number of positive cases is not necessarily the best benchmark at this point because we have better treatments, because we have vaccines, uh, that, that strictly the number of cases is not necessarily the benchmark we should be paying uh, the, the closest attention to. It's more hospitalizations. Dr. Fauci uh, echoed that sentiment just this past weekend on the Sunday news shows. Uh, Have we reached the point where it's more important to look at the number of hospitalizations than the raw numbers in terms of the number of cases? Um, I I think it's a spectrum of what you're looking at. So the number of cases is really your what we call a leading measure. So it's going to give you a sense of what's happening in your community Uh, how quickly the disease is being transmitted, um, you know, amongst members of the community. The lagging measure, the outcome of all that is hospitalization, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so so really we should be looking at both um, so that we can have a sense of what's happening. What we're seeing with Omicron is it certainly has caused our positivity rate in our community uh, to increase rapidly. So what that's telling us is it is highly transmissible as we you know, and expected from, you know, South Africa. Now we will see uh, what happens as it relates to hospitalizations as we get uh, a week or two um, into this most recent surge. Well, certainly, uh, as we keep hearing, this is something that is going to be with us uh, moving forward. This is going to transition from a pandemic to an endemic condition like the seasonal flu. It's going to come uh, come around and and be with us moving forward. So I guess, again, that kind of uh, also builds on that that question of tracking cases versus tracking hospitalizations and and obviously uh, serious cases. When do we get to this herd immunity uh, that that we've we've heard about? Uh, you know, we've got some. I think it's like two hundred million people who have gotten at least one vaccination. That doesn't mean they they are fully vaccinated, but we've got a, about two thirds of the American population that has at least gotten one uh, vaccination. At what point do we get? to that herd immunity where we can stop looking every day at the caseload. 
Yeah, so I knew that you were going to ask about that. So I started looking <laughs> at sort of where, where would I find sort of an answer to that question? Because really what tends to happen is retrospectively, we look back and we say, yeah, about then yeah. is when it was less impactful uh, to our society, to our communities. Mm-hmm. And we probably could say that is when, you know, it's an endemic Um so really, it's usually retrospective um, that you can look back and say, when have we seen sort of the curve of impact to society? And really, that's what I've heard. An endemic period is reaching some sort of acceptable steady state. Yeah. And just understand, with the flu, we do still track cases Fair and hospitalizations. Um, you know, so that is still a disease state that we want to keep close eyes on because it also could turn into yeah an epidemic or a pandemic. Yeah, fair fair point uh, with respect to that. And uh, with respect to vaccinations, again, obviously encourage people to get vaccinated, encourage those uh, individuals to get boosted. And that brings up the point, uh, have we reached the point now where you are not considered fully vaccinated, quote unquote, fully vaccinated until you have the booster as well? Yeah, um, Blanchard Valley Health System is really strongly encouraging our community members, um, you know, to consider vaccination. We're going to put out and you'll see a a single page ad, you know, talking to the community about vaccination and getting your booster if you're Mm -hmm. fully vaccinated. I do know CDC is uh, distinguishing now uh, those that are vaccinated with a booster um, and those that have just received the two doses of the vaccine. Yeah. So, so they are making that distinction in some of their recommendations uh, at this point. Again, uh, Blanchard Valley Health System Chief Medical Officer Dr. Renee Smith uh, talking about where we are, and again the uh, the latest uh, directive for visitors of the hospital requiring a surgical mask or an N95 uh, while they are visiting the hospital, and uh, guidance for uh, the, all of us in, in public as well. Dr. Smith, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. One of the world's biggest trade shows for any industry and the definitive event for all things technology is now underway. The Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, CES 2022, is a hybrid event this year. And a tech life expert, nationally syndicated columnist Jennifer Jolly is with us once again. The look at the biggest trends in technology that are headed our way. Where do we start, Jen? Well, I think the biggest trend or one of the biggest trends I'm seeing this year, I like to call it uh, comfort tech. It's just like comfort food, but uh, gadgets, of course. Um, the, the same kind of gadgets that you love, you know, um, just tweak a little bit to make you feel that much better um, to spend more time with them in the coming year. And a great example of this is the just unveiled Samsung Galaxy S21 FE 5G. You know, Samsung pulled their fans about their favorite phone features and then combined them into a less expensive fan edition. They just unveiled it yesterday. It's a hot handset with a gorgeous 6.4-inch dynamic display, flagship processing power, and a pro-grade front and rear camera system. You can be recording front and rear camera at the same time. I love that. Oh, wow. Um, That's super cool. And it goes on sale January 11th for just under $700. Not a bad price point either. So uh, folks be uh, looking for that. I have laptops. The uh, just, in fact, it hasn't even been unveiled yet. So you'll be the first to hear about it. It's Lenovo's latest 
ThinkPad Z13. It's another gadget that is really one of those comfort tech. It's like our favorite thing, just made even more, you know, made better for us uh, going into this new year. It's made with 100% recycled, stain-resistant black vegan leather on the top, and then the body is 75% recycled aluminum. There's a communication bar at the top of the screen that allows for a larger sensor camera, dual array microphones, while the Dolby Voice and Atmos speaker system, I'm sure you're familiar with that, mm -hmm. allows for that theater-type immersive audio. But this is on a small laptop that fits right into my purse, fits into a backpack, really hits all those sweet spots for progressive design, beefed-up security, more modern collaboration features, kind of what makes up our new norm of this more mobile hybrid workforce. This one goes on sale in May for just under $1,550. Now, I remember uh, last year and uh, in years past, one of the big buzzwords was sustainability. Everybody was going environmentally friendly. Uh, do you actually see that happening? I mean, is there a follow through on that this year? Absolutely, including more gadgets being made from recycled materials. But also, I'm seeing this huge kind of save the planet push this year. And while not a gadget per se, uh, I have been reviewing Sienna Technologies' eSmart ecosystem. This is a high-performance, non-woven fiber technology. It's made from recycled materials that can replace the polyurethane foam. And this is that foam that's found in everything from um, mattresses and car seats to furniture and insulation. They can even infuse scent in it for something like mattress poppers. I have one here that smells like chamomile. It is super, super cool. But even cooler, uh, the Piana CEO told me just yesterday that by just replacing the polyurethane foam in many mattresses, the company could offset as much as 3 billion pounds of CO2 every year. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the other uh, trends that we have heard an awful lot about over the past year, people are starting to become familiar with this, NFTs, these non-fungible tokens. And I understand that that is making a, a big splash at CES for the first time this year. Why is this such a big trend? Well, you, you're not going to make it for very long without really hearing more and more about NFTs. They are going mainstream. In fact, Bicycle playing cards. Uh, when I first heard about this, I was like, wait, bicycle playing cards? I have two decks of bicycle playing cards in my own house right now. It's like that deck of cards everybody has. Um, bicycle playing cards recently launched their own NFT. Um, this happened in December. And they saw more and more people really turning to digital playgrounds, they said, to really engage with each other. And leveraging those NFTs, those are non-fungible tokens. So basically, you could be the only person in the whole entire world who owns the Ace of Spades or the Queen of Hearts or, you know, some, a Joker, something really, really cool like that. So it's a way for generations uh, to really come together, to bond. And we're seeing more NFTs turn into artwork, digital artwork, and more like the trading cards and playing cards of the future. Uh, obviously, CES would not be uh, complete unless we were talking about 
televisions, TV, a lot, just about every innovation involving a television has come out of CES uh, in the past. So what is standing out this year in the world of TV? Oh my gosh, I have some really, really cool stuff to tell you about, but sadly, it's under embargo until tomorrow morning, which means I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I've already been going hands-on with it and reviewing it. Uh, As you can imagine, we're seeing thinner, curved, tons more pixels. You know, every year, TVs just get more and more incredible. I cannot wait to tell you about the ones that I have here with me, but it has to hold off until tomorrow. It's just amazing stuff all the way around, as it always is. CES 2022, the Consumer Electronics Show, underway this week in Las Vegas. Tech expert Jennifer Jolly with us this morning. And you've got more details on all of this and uh, more product reveals and everything else at your website, right? I do at my website and my nationally syndicated columns at usatoday.com slash tech. That's where I'm a columnist. And then I have my website at techish.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, uh, we mentioned that uh, we mentioned a number of times on this uh, program that uh, generally we have this rule about the broken news uh, when people die. We don't generally include those stories in the broken news because it's hard to laugh about somebody losing their life. It's just not funny uh, when someone dies, generally speaking. But there are exceptions to every rule. Sometimes people uh, will meet an untimely demise due to their own stupidity, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> And you can't help but laugh. And this is the first such story of the year. This is a story out of uh, New Hampshire. And I'll just read the story. (laughs) You decide whether this is broken news worthy. The cause of an explosion that killed a 44-year-old man on New Year's Eve has now been determined. Investigators say Nathaniel Krause was cutting into a 20-pound propane tank with a power tool in the basement of his home. (laughs) The cause and manner of death were ruled accidental and the result of blunt force trauma. Authorities say it is not known why Mr. Krause was cutting into the tank, which they assume he believed was empty. Again, there are there's an exception to every rule. It's not funny when people die generally, but sometimes you just have to wonder, what was this guy thinking? <laughs> Cutting into a propane tank with a power tool. What did he think was going to happen? Unfortunately, we can't ask him. Moving on. Item number two. This is kind of actually... It, it, it seemed this is one of those you file under the category of seemed like a good idea at the time. It was rather clever idea. Didn't quite work out. 51 year old Darnell Gleason is accused of multiple robberies of convenience stores in the St. Louis area. Police say Mr. Gleason robbed four different quick trip locations near St. Louis back in December. He admitted that he chose quick trip locations specifically 
because he used to date a woman that worked for the chain and had knowledge of their security procedures and security system. (laughs) Clever idea. Didn't work out for him. He is now facing four counts of first-degree robbery, armed criminal action, and one count of unlawful possession of a firearm. So, apparently he didn't know their security procedures and their security system quite as well as he thought he did. But, (laughs) I can just see that from moving forward now. Anytime a convenience store gets robbed, or anytime a store gets robbed, you got to look at the X's of all the employees. That's the... Moral of that story. Uh, Kind of a a weird international story from Cyprus, Greece. A big potato statue, a big potato statue has met its demise. (laughs) A big potato statue. Uh, Happened on New Year's Day. The 16 foot tall sculpture shaped like a potato was chopped down at around 330 in the morning, causing some fifty four hundred dollars in damages. Nicknamed the Big Potato, the monument was erected in the town of Zyglagu, Zyflagu, uh, back in October to honor the nation's staple crop. No word on if there are any suspects. They just put it up in October. It's already been cut down, the giant potato outside of Cyprus. Man, and that was, that ruins my vacation, my summer vacation. That's what I that's what I was planning to visit Greece to go see the big potato, and now it's not there. <laughs> Speaking of weird, this is pretty epic. Uh, residents of suburban Pittsburgh got a big surprise on New Year's Day. Uh, the local CBS affiliate reports that residents heard a large boom around 11.30 in the morning on New Year's Day. It is believed it was likely a meteor explosion. A meteor explosion. This has not been confirmed, but the local National Weather Service office says satellite data shows a flash that was not associated with lightning, making an exploding meteor the most likely explanation. Wow. Uh, 2022 is off to an interesting start. (laughs) Wait, is that going to be the kind of year this is? We have exploding meteors we have to worry about now? I don't know. Apparently so. And finally, in the broken news this morning. (laughs) uh, Again, I'm just going to read it. Let you make of it what you will. A woman who made money by selling her flatulence has had to retire after farting too much caused a health scare. (laughs) The self-proclaimed fartrepreneur, Stephanie Motto, age 31, Believe it or not, was making about $37,000 a week selling canned jars of her flatulence. The job required her to maintain a high-fiber diet of beans and eggs, later adding protein shakes to the repertoire after realizing uh, it added to the aroma of her... Oh, man. Uh, One day, though, Steph felt ill found it hard to breathe to the point that she had to have friend take her to the hospital. She thought she was having a stroke or a heart attack or something. She said, I thought these were my final moments. But after being evaluated, it was determined that what she felt was very intense gastritis. She was advised to change her diet and to take a gas suppressant 
medication, which has effectively ended her career. <laughs> you know what I see? I look at that story and I see business opportunity. There you go. There's an opening in the industry. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news, and it certainly is that today, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Why? Why do we ignore the things that give us pause, that seem out of place, that don't feel right? The answer to why defines who we are. So if you see something, why do you say something? I see safe for my friends. For my community. For my family. Because all of this matters. We all have something worth protecting. So why do you see safe? Report suspicious activity to local authorities. If you see something, say something. This message provided by WFIN. Now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. We were talking earlier about the Consumer Electronics Show this week in Las Vegas. I always love the eye-popping gadgetry that comes out of CES, which is why we uh, always like to report from it every year because it's just amazing stuff. But the downside to all that technology is it does lead us to more sedentary a more sedentary lifestyle, and that is especially true among young people and especially during the pandemic. New uh, research from the United States and Canada said that the number of teens uh, uh, who are getting enough physical activity during the pandemic, which was already just 16 percent prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, is now down to just 9 percent, just 9 percent of American teens getting enough physical activity. Health experts recommend that kids get about 60 minutes of physical activity per day. Uh, especially during the pandemic where uh, we've had the cancellation of in-person physical education classes and organized sports, gym and recreational facility closures, and of course those rises in screen use. We have to be very deliberate about this, but just 9% of American teens getting enough physical activity these days. That is staggeringly low. Something to keep in mind. Get your kids active. So speaking of getting kids and really the whole family more active, just because it is cold outside does not necessarily mean you have to stay cooped up indoors. You can put on your mittens and join the Hancock Park District for some programs and activities in the month of January. And Michelle Rumschlag is with us this morning with all of the details. Michelle, good morning to you. Good morning. So, um... Like we said, you know, and we've talked about it before, people think of uh, you know getting outdoors into the parks during the summer, in the springtime, in the fall. Not always during the winter, but there's plenty to do. Right, and it might be, you know, like today it's really windy and it's colder, but I mean, you see different things in the wintertime. I mean, yeah, it's not the beautiful colors of fall and that. Right. I look at it, it's not hot. I don't like the extremely hot weather. Um, and there's no mosquitoes. Right. No, I mean, it's, you know, no so, yeah, you're, and it's easier to stay warm, I think, than to be cool outside. So you just wear a lot of layers and take a nice brisk walk and, you know, you can you're, still. 
And, right. Enjoy and nature. And I prefer the cold than the heat. So and, I'm okay with, you know. Yeah. And you do this. have things <laughs> going on in the month of January. Yes. So uh, for all of our programs, of course, go to HancockParks.com. We have everything through the end of February. We also now have our winter guide online. So if you want to print that off and see everything, not just for programs, but facilities and things like that, that will be there. Um, hopefully we'll start getting some snow. Now we're getting the cold. So hopefully the snow is just around the corner. And once we do that, we'll be able to do our skiing um, on the weekends. And then also our learn to ski workshops, which have started now on in, on Saturday in January and February. But again, we need snow for that. But so just, Obviously, you know, yeah. again, more information is on the website. But again, I don't know when that's going to happen, but hopefully sooner <laughs> than later that we'll get snow. But some things that we are going to be doing um, coming up uh, next week, we have our, uh, we're doing a planetarium for homeschoolers day. So we have a homeschool program that we do different times of the year, and that'll be starting again in the spring. But this day, um, it's a Thursday, and we've got, uh, excuse me, a Tuesday, and it's just kind of different planetarium programs for different aged homeschoolers. So at 10 o'clock, it's for your younger aged kids, um, and families are invited to stay, so that's at 10 o'clock, it's kind of for the 5 to 8-year-old range. Okay. At 12.30, it's for your 9 to 12-year-old age range. And then at 2 o'clock, it's for your teen. And for the teens, it's a drop-off. You know, we want you to be the teen age. Um, the other ones are kind of recommended. So if you've got, you know, younger age kids, you can go to either one of the earlier ones. Just know it might be geared toward either for your younger or your little bit older child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free. You just need to register by 8 o'clock that morning but i do know i believe it was the younger time slot that already had um a lot of people registered because remember we have a limited amount of people inside our planetarium dome we can only do about 25 so if that's something you you want to do with your family or get your team signed up for um you can call the office or again get on hancockparks.com go to the program calendar um it's free but we still need you to register just to reserve your spot so again that's tuesday january 11. All right. For what? those that want to be outside, mm-hmm. um, coming up uh, next week on Friday, January 14th, we're having an owl night hike. So this will take place at Lipsonburg Memorial Woods. There's going to be at 7 o'clock. We're going to do a brief program inside the activity barn. And then just to learn about owls, which ones you could see or more likely hear. And then you're going to hit the trails and try to find some of those owls. So... Um, even though I said activity barn, of course, it's not weatherized, so you do need to dress for what the weather will be like um, in the evening on that day, so probably lots of layers. Right. Um, we just need you to, again, get online and register for that. Um, I know we've got a couple of people and- so far, so I think we've got enough. We've hit our minimum to do the program. So if you want to learn more about owls or to be able and, to go out and actually, you know, maybe hear some, I think, I don't know if he's going to do calling. Sometimes you can like try to call the owls and they'll call back. Yeah. Uh, um, owls are amazing creatures. I mean, and, and again, we, we think right. of this time of the year as the birds not being out as much, but, uh, owls are, are predators. They're out all the time. And sometimes winter is the best time for owls. Right. Well, and, and, and a lot of our winter birds, because you don't have all the leaves blocking, <laughs> so you well, can't see them on point. the trees. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Right. We do have limited number of birds that stay here, but still quite a bit of songbirds. And, you know, and owls are busy, you know, this time of year, even having babies and stuff, because they're in that, they, they 
make a nest in an old cavity in a tree. Mm-hmm. So they're nice and protected in there. Um, and we've got the great horned owl, the screech owl, eastern screech owl, and the barred owl that are pretty common um, residents here in Hancock County. We can also see others in Ohio, but you're gonna if you're gonna see one, it's probably gonna be one of those three. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even in town. So if you're living in Philly, you might you know hear a noise, and this mm-hmm. would be a great way to go. Am I hearing an owl? Am I just hearing something outside? <laughs> or am I just and hearing? This way you'll be able to tell. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> so, so that's a, uh, that'll be a terrific program. That'll be really cool. And, yeah. uh, anything else to, uh, highlight for the month of January? Well, just some of you that maybe don't want to venture out in the cold. I know there's some people that don't want to do that. Um, of course, last year we did a lot of virtual things and some videos. And one of the series we did was our history how to, so you could sign up, come in and get some supplies and learn how to do some things. So we have some extra supplies. So we're kind of re-offering some of those history okay. how-tos. Okay. So if you get online, get onto um, it's it's not really on the calendar. You kind of have to get into the to, to sign up mode, and we still have some things for our roasting coffee beans, for our making crackers, our quilted table runner, and then also carving our bluebird decoy. So once you sign up, we'll get in contact with you. Um, there's different fees for the supplies. You come in the office and pick that up and then we'll send you the link. So it's just the videos we, we posted before yeah. we'll send those to you. So if you wanted to do it again or missed out last time or heard your friends talking about it, um, you can go ahead and do that. So and those are going to be on kind of available to the end of February as long as supplies last. So some things we only have a handful, but we yeah. thought, you know, again, there's some people that don't want to be out in this cold sure. or drive well, program. And- so here's an option for you to, you know, maybe have somebody pick up things for you and just want to hunker and stay at home, but still learn and do some things. Yeah, and, and that, those would be great activities for those long winter months when the kids are cooped up and they're tired of playing with all their Christmas gifts. <laughs> they get bored with that stuff. Exactly. You can uh, uh, try something something new, new activities. and So that would be a lot of fun. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about everything going on in the month of January and beyond at the Hancock Park District. Still a great time to, uh, like we said, put on your mittens and get out into the great outdoors. Again, Michelle Rumschlag with us this morning. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And once again, that is our podcast for today. Thanks once again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net, of course. Coming up tomorrow, we get more from the pandemic-shortened Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas and an update on live entertainment coming to the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts this month. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.